I heard a story a while back about a family. They had a little boy and grandma was going to be visiting for a few days. I don't know if you know this, but I've learned recently that grandmas really like to spoil their grandkids. That's something I've come to realize. I had no idea. But the grandma and the little boy, they had had a great time together. Uh, they, they, they went to the park together. She took him to the park. She took him out for ice cream. They went to the store and he picked out a toy. It had been a full day and come to the end of the day, and his mother said, it's time for you to get ready for bed. And she helped him brush his teeth and get ready. And getting there in bed, she said, okay, you've got to say your prayers. And he knelt down by the side of the bed while she sat there, clasped his hands just right. And he said, God bless mommy and daddy and grandma. And God, I really want a new bicycle. And his mother said, you don't have to shout. God is not hard of hearing. And he said, I know, but Grandma is. He had learned what I think is actually one of the great blessings that we share in that we get to be the answer to each other's prayers. It's not just that we pray for each other, but we get to be the answer to each other's prayers. If someone is hurting, we offer encouragement, right? We, we offer encouragement. We bring healing as we, as we help them. Someone's in need. We not only pray for them, but we share with them. We, we support them. We don't just look for that miraculous intervention when we pray, although we want that. We want that miracle. We look to see what it is that we can do. We look to those who, who are committed. We are committed to being the answer to their prayers. We're calling it one anothering this month. It's part of the, of who we are as a church. It's part of the life that we do together. 100 times in the New Testament, we are called to share with others with that statement of doing something for one another, bearing one another's burdens, sharing one another's joys, comfort one another, welcome one another, seek good for one another, the Bible says. And I believe that every one of those one another's, it's as if you're holding a big diamond in your hand and turning it in the sun and looking at the different facets. And every one of those one another's is a different facet of how we Love one another as Jesus commands us there in John chapter 13. Love one another as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And one of the keys at getting to the heart of Jesus for one another is that we pray for one another. We're going to be looking at James chapter 5 today, beginning in verse 13. James 5, starting in verse 13, if you use the blue Bible in front of you, it's on page 1013. When we talk about prayer, we see that James has an awful lot to teach us. This is just, just six little verses here. Just six little verses, but it tells us of the power of prayer, the effectiveness of prayer. And it's all, it's all presented in the context of what you and I do for each other, how we pray for one another. James 5.13 Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. 
Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. I've preached from this passage before. I've heard a lot of sermons on this passage. I've read about this passage in books on prayer. I've seen books that point to this passage over and over again. And while this passage can motivate you to pray for your own needs, this passage can motivate you to to pray for the things that are on your heart through your own struggles, I think it would be a shame if we only read this passage for ourselves. If we only read this passage to find out how we could pray for our own needs, for ourselves. I feel like that's what we do with a lot of these passages on prayer. So many of the passages we read about prayer we, and the books that we read, we, we read them so that we can unlock the secret of getting what I want, you know? So I, I, I can make my prayers all about what I want. Me, me, me. I want a bicycle. And I've seen too many books that were written all about what we can get out of prayer. But prayer, prayer becomes, when we do that, prayer becomes about fulfilling our own selves and fulfilling our own wants rather than another way that we see that we can love one another. We can care for one another. I heard a story recently about a lady who <laughs> she went rummage sailing. You ever, you ever do that? You ever go rummage sailing? She found this beautiful needlepoint at a rummage sale. It was just perfect. It was beautiful. It was framed beautifully. The colors and the detail was amazing. And the needlepoint said, prayer changes things. And so she bought it, brought it home, found the perfect spot in the house to hang it and hung it up there on the wall, called her husband in, and she said, look at look what I bought. He says, oh my goodness, that is beautiful. So whoever did that really knew what they were doing with Needlepoint. They did a beautiful job. And he said, that, that's just absolutely beautiful, honey. She went to bed, and the next morning she got up, and she walking through the living room. She looked up at the wall, and it was gone. Needlepoint was gone. She said, well, I don't know what happened to it. So she called her husband in, and she said, did... Did you take the did you take the needlepoint down? He said, Yeah, yeah, I took it down. She said, What well, I thought you said you loved it. He says, Oh, it's beautiful. He says, it's absolutely beautiful. I, I, I loved it. Well, I thought you liked the place where I had it. Did you not like the place where I had it hung? He says, No, no, no. It was beautiful. It really tied the whole room together. Well, why did you take it down? I don't like change. And that's a problem. Because if we're gonna pray, the first thing I think prayer does is prayer changes us. Prayer begins by changing us. If prayer changes things, it, it's going to begin with, with us. Verse 13, again, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. That changes. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. It stops being just about being cheerful and it begins becomes about the praise that you're offering to God. You're praying about your needs. You're praying about sufferings. And you're also praying about blessings. And then suddenly the next verse changes in verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. You notice it's not you call the elders for that person. They call the elders. They initiate that. And it's not that the elders somehow miraculously know that somebody's in need. You call the elders. You have that relationship where that happens. And the rest of the passage, the rest of the passage isn't about me getting what I want or you getting what you want. The rest of the passage is about us praying for one another. In fact, verse 16 says it. Pray for one another. Prayer changes things. Prayer brings healing. Prayer brings hope. Prayer restores life. Prayer restores relationships. I've seen prayer restore marriages. Prayer changes things, but the first thing it changes is you and me. The first thing that prayer is going to change is, is us. Prayer changes our hearts for other people. 
Prayer fills us with compassion for them. Fills us with love for them. That's why love one another naturally flows into pray for one another. In this passage, James immediately takes us to praying for one another. And I believe one of the key reasons we're called to pray for one another is because our friends our friends don't always know how to pray for themselves. Have you noticed that? I think one of the reasons we have to pray for one another is our friends don't always know how to pray for themselves. Pain, distress, depression, so many of the things that we struggle with, they make us myopic. You know what I mean? They make us nearsighted. When you're hurting, all you can see is the hurt. You can't see what's beyond that hurt. You can't see what got you to that hurt. All you see is what's right in front of you. You become very, very nearsighted. You think about the prayer requests that we get here on any given Sunday. So many of them are for healing, for physical healing. Someone's hurting and they need healing. But you and I know that behind that need for healing, there is often so much more. And so when we begin praying for healing, we, we, we begin praying in other ways. You know, that they're, they're, they're wanting healing. They, they're, they're in pain or they're hit with a loss that, that, that they need comfort for. But So we pray for healing. We pray for relief from the pain. We pray for comfort. But there are needs beyond the needs that they can't see for themselves. In our hurt, we can't see those. But when we have friends who are committed to loving us and praying for us, they know us and they know those needs that are beyond what we can see. Again, verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray for over him anointing Him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. By the way, our elders do that. They, they will come and anoint you with oil, and they will pray over you. We've, we've done that many times. But you notice what James says here. It's not just about healing. It says the, the, the prayer will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. That person who is hurting, that person who is sick, that person who is in pain, they can only see that immediate need that's right before their eyes. But the one who loves them, as we love one another, they're able to speak into a deeper need and pray through a deeper need and bring a restoration that's far beyond the immediate. They're able to bring a restoration that's eternal. The prayer will save them, he says. If you flip your Bible over a couple of pages, you come to 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, Peter writes, the end of all things is at hand. Well, that sounds familiar, right? The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Your, pr your friends are praying for you. They may not be praying exactly what you're asking them to pray about, though. And you need to trust their perspective because your friends love you. Your friends have the ability to both be close to you and still stand off at a distance and view what you're going through with eyes that, that you just don't have. They can see things that you cannot. And so your friends are praying for healing, but they're also praying for wisdom as you go through that time of pain. Your friends are praying for healing, but they're also praying for patience because sometimes we're not patient when we're sick, right? And your friends are praying for healing, but they're also realizing that sometimes it's not always the physical healing that we want. And so they're praying that you'll be at peace with whatever God chooses 
for you and wherever it is that God leads you. When we pray for one another, we see past that pain into the deeper needs for one another. In fact, Peter's next verse there in 1 Peter chapter 4, the next verse says, above all, keep on loving one another. Isn't that interesting? That's, that's right where Peter goes after he tells us to pray. Keep on loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. There it is again. Love one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. What does he mean by that? I really have no idea. But what I think he's saying is, you and I will overlook the offenses that we have better if we're praying for each other. You know, sometimes we hurt each other. Sometimes we say things and do things that are a little hurtful. We will overlook those offenses better if we are praying for one another. When we involve ourselves with praying for one another, you and I become more forgiving. We become more loving. We become more gracious. And what, what we see here is that praying for one another becomes a path of grace for one another. Praying for one another becomes a way that God's grace works in, not just in us, but in our one another's. Peter says, keep on loving one another. Love covers a multitude of sins. You notice James in James 5, verse verse 16, James says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's another, (laughs) there's another one another there. Confess your sins to one another. Yeah, it's the only place in the Bible. The only place in the Bible where it says that you and I are to confess our sins to one another. Not to a priest. Not to your pastor. Not even to the elders. But it's to one another. Each other. That's, that's kind of scary. And the only way we will ever do that is if we are creating a community where we are each giving each other grace and receiving grace from each other. Where you and I are experiencing forgiveness together because we love one another. We pray for one another. James says in verse 16, the second half there, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Well, count me out, James, because I know that I'm not righteous. I know that I'm absolutely a mess. I am a wreck. And that's why James follows it up with this illustration, verses 17 and 18. Elijah. Elijah was a righteous person. No. What's he say? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. And the earth bore fruit. Elijah, Elijah, the great prophet. Elijah, the, the one, uh, this powerful man of God. Elijah, who worked miracles, who brought the dead back to life. Elijah, who prayed and it stopped raining for three and a half years. Elijah, who also prayed and fire fell down from heaven. Elijah. Elijah who was weak. Elijah who had a nature just like us. Elijah who ran for his life from the queen because she was out to kill him. Elijah who hid from everybody on a mountain. And that's why James reminds us, Elijah, this isn't a righteous man. This is a man with a nature just like ours. A man like us. A man who struggles like us. A man with temptations like us. Elijah, a man with a bad attitude. Kind of like us from time to time. You know, a few months ago, I got to looking through my desk and I found, I stumbled across my old prayer journals from when I was in college. I have no idea why I keep those things except that I hide them so no one else can ever see them. I'm afraid, you know, if I go out and burn them, they're going to fly off and someone's going to find a page. So I've got my old prayer journals from college. 
And I was looking to see what young Brett, 20, 21-year-old Brett, what was young Brett praying for? You know, occasionally he prayed for his home church. He was praying for his home church. He was praying for the people in his home church. Brett was praying for his mom and dad. Brett was praying for his sisters and his brother. Brett was praying for his girlfriend, who later he conned into marrying him, so that worked out pretty well. And I'm looking through my prayer journal, and there's that section in my prayer journal where I list my confessions, you know, all the horrible things that I was doing. And I found this one page where it said, Confession, bad attitude towards Mike. I'm not going to tell you who Mike was, but he was a fellow student. And there was, Mike just had this arrogance about him that drove me nuts. And anytime I was around Mike, I just bristled like I could not stand to be around him. And if you look through my prayer journal, which you never will, you'll see day after day, bad attitude towards Mike, bad attitude towards Mike, bad attitude towards Mike. And after a while, I stopped just recording my bad attitude and I started praying for Mike. And after I started praying for Mike, I started talking to Mike. And I started sharing with Mike and I started listening. That was more important than just talking to him. I started listening to Mike. And I heard where Mike was coming from. I heard what Mike had struggled with. I kind of got a feel for what Mike had grown up with that made him the, the way that he was. And after a while, if you look through my prayer journal, which you won't, you'll notice that my prayers of confession about my bad attitude for Mike stopped. And all of a sudden, there were prayers for Mike and thankfulness for Mike. All these years later, 30-some years later, and I'm still not sure what my prayer changed. Did my prayer change Mike or did my prayer change me? <laughs> I'm afraid it might have changed me. And I don't like change. I'm pretty sure my prayer changed me. You know, the prayer of a righteous person, it may have great power, but just like Elijah, you and I know the power of the prayers of ordinary people. You and I know the power of prayers of people who are ordinary and even broken people who are a mess. We know the power of prayers of a church full of people who confess we are all a mess. You're a mess. I'm a mess too. We should pray for each other. Let's love one another. Let's confess our sins. Let's forgive one another. Let's pray for one another. Let's be a place where through our prayers for one another, we each encounter the grace of God and we each find the healing that He brings and the wholeness that He brings. Jesus calls us love one another. Sometimes that looks like pray for one another. And sometimes that looks like you and me being the answer to each other's prayers. Even the prayers that we don't realize we're really praying. And in the way that we make God's forgiveness real and tangible to each other, by forgiving each other. The way we meet others' needs so that they can calm their fears so that we can help them heal. And the way we see that we haven't just prayed for them, we've shown them His grace. And in doing so, we have built a community of grace together. Pray for one another. There are people in your life that only you know how to pray for. There are people that you know in such a way that only you really know how to pray for them. You know things that they don't even know. You see things from your perspective that they're not able to see. You know their hearts better than they know themselves. You see their hurts from a perspective that they will never have in their own lives. 
And you can pray for them for needs that they don't even realize that they have. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. And love one another. We come to our communion time. And it's a time to remind ourselves not just of our need to love one another, but of the One who loved us in such a way that He gave everything for us. The One who showed us what that love was like. I'm going to sing a song here in a moment that reminds us just how empty and just how, just how, just how empty our life is without Him. That without Him, we, we have nothing. And it's a reminder, I think, also that if you're in someone else's life and they're feeling that emptiness and they have you, you're able to bring grace that they can't even imagine. You're able to bring love that they can't imagine. And you're able to show them forgiveness that they haven't been able to show themselves. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You. Thank You that someone, someone has been praying for us. <laughs> I think about those who have been in my prayers lately. I think about uh, those who have told me they're praying for me. I thank You for those relationships. I thank You for the honesty that's there, the vulnerability that's there. And I thank You, Father, that through the prayers of others, we've all experienced Your grace in ways that, that we would have never experienced before. I pray, for, I pray for hearts that are turned to one another just as we give our hearts to You, open our hearts to those in need so that we might pray for them, so that we might care for them, so we might love them with the love that, that You've first loved us. Father, we thank You for this bread. We thank You for this cup. We thank You for this time of reminding ourselves that, that love is not cheap. Uh, that love costs everything. And I pray that as we take together, uh, we might be willing to give that love to one another. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.